besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Right, uh, we've got our panel this morning consisting of uh, Digital News Hub man Stephen Foote, uh, who was uh, all over UFC and the Warriors, so we've got to talk about them uh, this morning, don't we? And uh, Jeff McTainch, of course, uh, from Sky Sport, uh, doing some great work uh, at the uh, Olympics, Winter Olympics, etc. And now, of course, uh, back uh, calling uh, Super Rugby. Jeff, we'll begin with you because you, caused, uh, you called history over the weekend. I won't say you caused history, you called history over the weekend, mate. Uh, fantastic, fantastic performance from Moana Pacifica. Caught the last half hour of that. Uh, the emotion around it, uh, just simply superb. Yeah, morning, Smithy. G'day, uh, footy and, and listeners. Um, yeah, it was a, a privilege to be at Mount Smart um, on the weekend to see uh, to see history. I, I think what struck me uh, was all of the rhetoric around Moana Pacifica uh, in the lead up to the season was, you know, they didn't have the depth. Um, they were going to be pushed, they were going to be challenged, they were going to be up against it, and that proved to be the case. I mean, they didn't play a couple of weeks at the start of the season, of course, because of COVID, then they had more postponements, uh, didn't have a crowd. I mean, they had about 900-odd family and friends, which I know certainly made a difference, but to see them get it done and, and under those circumstances, they're on the wrong side of the penalty count the week before against the Chiefs. Uh, it proved to be the case, albeit uh, evening up somewhat in that second half uh, against the Hurricanes, but uh, on the back foot in so many areas statistically, um, but to come out a- a- and play with um, just this will and passion to, to, to try and go the length of the field, which ultimately proved to be the case in the kick from Danny Tuala, um, it, was, uh, it was a special occasion. And I think one of those Super Rugby games, Smithy, that will go down as, uh, as one of the gritty, more hearty performances by a team. Yes, yeah, Stephen, um, I, I like your thoughts on it as well, because I, I think it's fair to say that victory uh, has come a lot sooner than a lot of people would have thought. Absolutely, Smithy, and yeah, morning everyone. I, I, I was in that camp. I was in one of the. I was. I firmly believed it was going to take a little while for Moana Pacifica to really find their feet in this competition. But hey, they've done it quicker than the Highlanders, and we'll talk about them later. Uh, but just, yeah, just as Jeff mentioned, the passion they showed, the grit. They were a man down there. They had to fight back from there. And then those last, that last 15 minutes, the Danny Tuala try, like you couldn't have scripted that better. And just the emotion from the box, how much it meant to all of them. And, you know, having that extra special edge to it with Sir Michael Jones, who's obviously the chairman there. But also the likes of Sir B.G. Williams, who was up in the stands, mm. who obviously one of the, the greats of Samoan heritage of New Zealand and Samoan rugby. Um, you see him down there in the huddle after the game, delivering sort of a heartfelt speech here, and you can see how much it meant to him as well. So it's, just, it's fantastic for the for Super Rugby as a whole, fantastic for Moana Pacifica, and let's hope we see um, a few more results like that sort of tipping the ledger. Mm. Yeah, well, I think they've established credibility. I, I'm just kind of envisaging myself, Jeff, I saw those shots of... As you say, well, possibly around about 900 people there in total. Mm. Uh, what about 10,000? 10,000 uh, 10, there. Um, oh. yeah, wouldn't it just <laughs> been uh, something special? 
It would have been, and and uh, and that's the feeling I got when I left the box with with uh, with Israel Dag. We sort of said, you know, imagine if this place was full. I mean, <laughs> it was such a it was I such an occasion and a spectacle without a without a crowd. But uh, you know, had it been full, I think we also should should mention the. Uh, you know the coaching acumen of, of uh, Aaron Major and, and Philo Teatia and what they've managed to put together here with, I guess, limited resources in some respects. You know, uh, guys like Henry Timay Stowers, he's been, been one of the leading loose forwards in the competition. He's been outstanding. So you balance that with the with the uh, the old head in some ways of Christian Liliafano. And I know we've talked about the, the challenges with the depth they've had, but they have recruited uh, quite tactically in that respect. Um, I will also, I'd like to mention the yellow card situation. Smithy, I'm not too sure what you thought about it uh, as well, Footy, but um, Levi Almoor, uh, the head clash on Wes Hoosen. Now, I know we're putting player safety, uh, you know, that is paramount front and centre. Um, but uh, afterwards, we were talking about that, Izzy and myself. I mean, um, it was a head clash, and then Aidan Morgan on the other side of things, a tip tackle on uh, Willie Havili, and he's penalised. So uh, they were that was something I certainly came away with thinking, you know, was was all fair and equal there. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, but referring aside, I mean, I think the challenge now for Moana Pacifica is to prove this wasn't a fluke, that, that, that this wasn't just some one-off, um, one-off victory, um, one sort of glorious night um, in their history and, and to kick on now and to really prove that they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, Jeff mentioned that the, forward, the loose forwards were fantastic. I thought they had the upper hand all night over some pretty vaunted opposition. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think I think they can make some real noise in this competition if they can get some real consistency in selection. Um, I was a little bit sceptical of bringing Christian um, Lediofano back into the fold. Um, I know he's got that sort of senior leadership head, but it proved to be exactly what they needed. I've, I've always been a big fan of Lincoln McClutchy, but he can run a bit hot and cold. And I think um, with the makeup they have at the moment, you kind of really do need that cool, calm, composure and consistency mm-hmm. and senior leadership, I guess, at the same time. And, and I think him and, him and Sikorpe Kipu definitely provided that on, um, on the weekend. Well, Stephen, you touched on it. Uh, you touched on the Highlanders. Um, let's get into that. <laughs> 0-5. 0-5 and not looking pretty at all. It's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty. I think... It's a little bit deceptive. I know they have been in a lot of these games, and I think that's probably the frustrating thing for Tony Brown and his leadership group there. Um, you heard them, they, 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 they fought back well in this game against the Blues. They were, they were in there towards the end. They kind of just lacked that sort of punch uh, to really sort of get over the finish line. But, uh, you know, they were there or thereabouts. Um, they looked a little bit more direct in the forwards. They've obviously been pretty ravished by COVID. Um, some sort of key players like Ethan DeGroote and I think Marino Michele too, who's been missing as well. He's been a real linchpin of their pack. So I think once they can get a few more troops back on board, have some consistency with their selection, I know they've got a pretty nice little schedule to round out the rest of the competition. Once they go to Australia, they have to get past the Crusaders first. That probably won't happen, let's be honest. But I think they're, I think they're still going to be okay to clinch one of those, those playoff spots. I mean, you know, eight of the 12 teams make it in any case, so I don't think they'll have too much issue there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's looking up for, for the Highlanders. I, I think they can make a little run here for sure. So I think it's a little bit too early to... to to start uh, sort of sending out the danger signs just yet. Okay, so Jeff, is it too early for the engraver to, to put the big uh, C, and I mean Crusader C, uh, on the trophy yet? Did you see? Did you see a champion side in the weekend? I saw a side, mate, that uh, thought, okay, you guys got one over us in Christchurch. We're going to show you what we're all about, and uh, 
you look at a player front and centre like a, a Will Jordan, um, and, and you know they did that. Uh, they they came out and said we're champions, um, and we're going to you know pick up our sixth title. Um, I think it was a wake-up call for the Chiefs as well in some ways. I mean, first game in Hamilton, getting a, a crowd in two. Um, they've got a wee bit of work to do uh, around the breakdown and, um, and how they can try and slow the pace of the Crusaders shifting the ball because that's the, that's the thing that's going to hurt every single team in this competition. They score a lot of their, their tries off first-phase rugby. And um, when you've got the best player potentially in the world at the moment and Will Jordan uh, up in the line running all sorts of crazy lines, uh, it's, it's just so hard uh, unless you're spot on. Uh, on the night, so uh, certainly a, a wake-up call. I know that the Chiefs didn't have ideal prep with uh, Warren Gatlin coming in. Not not a bad person to step into uh, to the breach with with Clayton McMillan and some of the rest of the staff uh, with COVID. But um, that's the nature of this competition at the moment. Chiefs, though, uh, a lot to like about the, the way they're playing at the moment. And 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 again, you know, going forward, they're going to take a lot out of that win in Christchurch. But it certainly was a, a reminder. Um, against the wounded Crusaders side, you know, just how much they can hurt you when they come back. Okay, let's uh, change tack a, a little bit, uh, fella. Let's go to um, to UFC for you in particular, Stephen. Kaikara, France. I watched the, the verdict for this fight. The Russian looked very, very disappointed. How did you see it? I thought it was going to be a very tight decision there. That third round could have gone either way. I think what the judges saw there was that Askarov, while he was sort of initiating some offense and he managed to get hold of Kai and force him into the clinch, which is obviously his world. He wasn't really forcing any effective offense off the back of that. And Kai was really, really effective with his takedown defense. And I think that was the story of the, of the fight for Kai. Just, uh, it really reflects his sort of maturation as a fighter. He was super composed. Uh, the balance with his takedown defense, he, he, he sort of prevented Askarov dragging the fight into his world, which is obviously the grappling game. You saw, you saw in the first round there, he had to hold on for at least a couple of minutes fighting submission attempts. Fantastic effort, and that kind of opened the door, disheartened Askarov a little bit, and he was able to, to ensure the fight took place on the feet and standing where he had a massive advantage. He cashed that in to some extent. He probably thinks he perhaps he might have been a little bit more aggressive. He was probably very conscious of, of being taken down by the Russian. But um, to get past Askarov, he was an, an enormous underdog. I think he was paying as much as three odds fifty um, coming into the fight. Uh, he was being ridden off fairly widely. Askarov is undefeated. He's got twelve first round wins of out of fifteen. Uh, many had him pegged to sort of be the next in this long line of, of Russians who are really starting to take over the sport. Um, but Kai, just incredible fortitude, composure. Um, it was awesome to hear the crowd behind him. You know, you can see that he's winning over fans. I think a large part of that was probably due to the fact that he was fighting a Russian for obvious reasons. Uh, but, hey, he got his hand raised. And this is a huge bit. And in, in, in the context of New Zealand combat sports history, this is, stakes-wise, this is right up there. What he's done here is he's essentially locked himself in for a, for a flyweight world title fight. So this is a guy who's been on the cusp of the, of the title sort of circle for the last four years. He's had some fantastic fights. And Grain himself is one of the fan favourites, really entertaining fighter, um, always brings it. But the results really haven't gone his way. They've been up and down, put it that way. So what you really have to do in the sport is string together consistent wins and big-name scalps. And that's what he's done over the last couple of fights. He's, he's knocked up on um, Rogério Bontorin in the first round, got a big win over Cody Garbrandt, who's a former UFC bantamweight champion, knocked him out in the first round, and now sort of upsetting the bookmakers here and really tipping, tipping the scales of the flyweight division with this win. So essentially, Davidson Figueredo, who's the champion, has called him out. He said before the fight he wanted to fight Kai for the next uh, title defense, and now it looks like 
that's completely that's complete that's going to be the case. Kai has this flyaway title shot locked in. The only thing now is that he's probably going to have to wait a little bit longer than he initially expected because we're going to have Davison Figueredo fight Brandon Moreno for a fourth time. And then I'd say Kai will be fighting whoever comes out of that belt um, for the chance to become New Zealand's second ever world champion. Mm, interesting. Uh, fellas, we're going to go to a news break um, very shortly uh, with uh, Ottawa. And then when we come back, uh, we can't avoid talking about the White Ferns demise, Jeff Tainch. Uh, and Stephen Foot with us this morning. Okay, sorry, uh, we're just a little bit of a gap in transmission there, so uh, we'll just get through. We've still got uh, Stephen Foot and Jeff McTainch with us. And Jeff, um, yeah, uh, the knives were out, of course, uh, for Bob Carter, but uh, he dodged them straight away by getting out straight away. Uh, disappointing campaign all around that uh, they won't be, as the gates are opened up and the crowds can come in, they won't be seeing their home team playing. Yeah, too right, mate. Three wins uh, from the seven games and just the six competition points. I know if you look at that statistically speaking, they're not out of the of the of the semi final picture, but they really are. I mean, England and uh, India would have to lose by I think two hundred runs apiece to change that run rate result. That's not going to happen. But I think if you look at the overall campaign, um, I think it it showed that uh, there very much is a changing of the guard with this this White Fern side. We've got a, a few young players coming in. I mean, Hannah Rowe was outstanding against Pakistan with the five, but. Um, and, and, and you know, there's questions around whether Sophie Devine's going to remain on as captain. I'm sure she'll she'll stay as a key player. But you look at, you know, Bob Carter uh, going out uh, and Sharp as well. Head of high performance. A couple of key appointments need to be made there. Who do they who do they go to? I mean, there's a, a few around the traps that that could potentially step in. Craig Cummings, one name. Um, Joanne Broadbent as well, and also potentially uh, Reese Morgan. So you know, there are some names there that could come in and and, and take this White Fern side forward. But I think the way they finish, mate, at, at Hagley Oval with um, a good crowd through the turnstiles, beautiful day, and to see Susie Bates create history, fantastic century, and uh, to become the first um, player from New Zealand to uh, to get 5,000, fourth woman of all time was was uh, was great. But um, no, it's, I think it's a, you know, to me it looks like a bit of a two-horse race between South Africa and Australia. I think the thing that might pull the punters along to the grounds, the Basin Reserve in Hagley, um, over the next week or so, we'll be trying to see if uh, if a team can upset the uh, the Trans Tasman neighbours. So um, no, it's uh, it's going to be interesting the end of this tournament, but um, certainly the White Ferns um, falling a bit short, I think, on their own expectations. Yeah, Stephen, I know uh, worldwide you're into the digital side of things in terms of sport coverage, etc. Digitally, the numbers are astronomical for this Women's World Cup, particularly anything involving uh, anything around India too. Yeah, absolutely. You always get um, plenty of clicks from the from the Indian side of the world. But um, yeah, just to build on what what Jeff said, it, it was a disappointing campaign. But you know, I think overall it's a pretty big win for the women's game in New Zealand. It was great to see so many, um, you know, particularly young girls out in the stadiums watching these games and clearly invested in it. Um, you know, Bob Carter, a classic case of probably, you know, jumping before he was pushed. And I think they can look back at this tournament and at some. Pretty questionable selections. I think we didn't really cash in on the likes of Brooke Halliday. I think she should have been batting further up the order. She looked superb the entire tournament. I think we could have seen a little bit more Lee Kasparik in there. And I think we were a little bit bereft of ideas when it came down to the death bowling situations um, and crunch time situations. And I think a lot of that has to fall on Bob Carter's head. Um, but over, we miss, you know, it's always it's going to be massively disappointing, isn't it, to to not take advantage of of, of your home field, of your home ground, of, of playing of, of the rare occasion of being able to, to contest the World Cup on your, on your own soil. So, yeah, pr- pretty sad from that perspective, but I think overall it's, it's a big win for the women's game in this country. 
Yeah, it's interesting actually. I keep hearing from the selectors and the former coach now that selection wasn't an issue. They had the right players, no problem with that. They had the game plan sorted out. They just couldn't execute it. So we'll see what the upshot of that is. But what we can tell everyone, and we know now, Stephen, of course, is that the Warriors are on the board on the points table. What did you make of that? Uh, you know, by virtue of having more points than the West Tigers, you know, they won that game. But let's uh, make no, no mistakes about it. No one was a winner coming out of that game. And, you know, it, in their NRL, the wins are wins. They're always hard for contests. You've got to get yourself on the board. But, you know, I think they did take a little bit of a backward step there against the Tigers. Um, and it would have been a real indictment on their form if they had come our way with that one without a win. But they showed a little bit of grip down the end there to, to, to seal the victory. I think they made less mistakes, I guess you could say, to sure they came away with the win but still really concerning um, in terms of what's happening with the halves and the direction when it comes to the red zone um, I like to say if I can make a, a really old school WWF wrestling reference there's a bit of Andre the Giant to them a bit of Andre the Giant to them they have no finishing moves they've got nothing in the red zone you know the, the, our only attacking option is, is kicks um, we scored tries off that but we didn't come close to, to scoring anything off set play we're constantly dying with the football on fifth tackle situations even when we're on it, we, even when we're in the attacking zone and what's also disappointing is that a lot of our best players whilst we don't have the depth of talent that a lot of these other squads do a lot of our best players just aren't being consistent and have been pretty poor to be honest you know, look at Adam Fanor Blake um, on the weekend and the likes of Chanel Harris-Tavita, who I mentioned before. But, you know, I th- as I said, a lot of it comes down to these inconsistent selections. We've had, you know, three different spine combinations in as many games and, um, you know, Sean Johnson and, and injuries as such. But, yeah, it's, it's not looking good. It's not looking promising for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not going to stop saying it's our year. I'm, I'm a long-suffering Warriors fan <laughs> myself, and I, I don't think you can call up, you can say the word Warriors fan without putting long-suffering ahead of it anymore. But, yeah, it's, it's not looking great. I don't know how much of it is coaching. I don't know how much of it is mental. But there's still a side of me who is almost just writing off these seasons where we're in Australia. And I just, I just wanted to get home now. And it's almost a case of just looking forward to, to 2024 because this team is clearly pretty mediocre and not top eight material. Jeff, are you fired up with the Black Caps against the Netherlands, or is it more just to say goodbye to Ross Taylor for you? <laughs> oh, you've always got you've always got to be there to watch that to say goodbye uh, to, to a great player. But uh, oh, I think it's uh, I think it's good for cricket seeing uh, seeing the Dutch uh, involved against the Black Caps, and um, uh, it's always it's always good to uh, get a bit of limited overs cricket uh, on the international stage with whoever you're playing. So no, I'm certainly looking forward to it and and uh, and seeing a swan song hopefully. Okay, fellas, it's been great chatting to you this morning. Uh, that was uh, Stephen Foote and Jeff McTainch with us uh, on the panel. We'll have another one at the same time tomorrow morning. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.